Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. We're at the end of our series called uh, Essence, and it is about those unspoken things that make new life new life. And we started four weeks ago with a title called Faith, Not Fairy Tale. And the whole point was this, that we want new life, an essence of new life, not to be a church that gives people escapism, not that it gives them all the fancy stuff where they, they, they can forget what's going on in the world and it gives them vain hope. But New Life is a place that offers true hope in a gritty reality. Anyone got a gritty reality going on outside of these eight walls? Yes, of course we have. Everyone has. It's the whole point Jesus came, which led us on to the second talk which is New Life is a church that although we are a Trinitarian church, we recognize that there was a point in history when the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit ushered Jesus, the God-man Jesus, who carried the fullness of God. They ushered him to center stage. He says, you want to know what we're like? Here's what we like. This is how we love. This is how we care. This is how we have compassion. This is how we walk. And we are a Jesus-centric church church and then we went to week three and the title was compass not clock and we want to be a church uh, which recognizes a couple of things one there's no need to be in a hurry Jesus in his life exhibited a calm unhurriedness throughout his life throughout times which would drive us crazy with anxiety and rushing Jesus didn't. And there is something that we need to adopt from that. But also there's something that we learned about trajectory. That it's, it's not really our business to judge people who sin differently than us if their trajectory is towards and into Christ. You know, when to worry is when people who are walking into Christ turn away and their trajectory changes. And as a church then, then then we need to jump into action. But let's celebrate the fact that we all, we all come from different places and we all walk at different paces. But as long as our trajectory is heading into Christ, that's something to celebrate. And then we come to this week. And my uh, title is, We Get To, Not Have To. Get To, Not Have To. I'll explain what that means a little later. But first, let's just turn to a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to pray. John chapter 5. Jesus had just healed a man who had been ill for a very, very long time. Decades. And he'd been waiting for an opportunity to find wholeness in his life. And Jesus had just healed this man, but Jesus got into trouble because he'd done it on the Sabbath. He'd healed a man. He'd had the audacity to heal a man on the Sabbath. And it says this in John chapter 5, verses 16. After Jesus healed the man who had been disabled for many years, the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus 
for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. We say that last little bit together. My father is always working and so am I. Why don't you take your hand, put it somewhere near your heart. Let's just pray for these next few minutes. Father God, we thank you for your great love. Thank you that everything stems from you. Jesus, we thank you for exhibiting your grace, your mercy, showing us the way. Thank you that everything comes through you. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing the very presence of God here with us today, working upon us, working inside of us. Thank you that everything that is good is done by you. And help us now, just as we gather around some simple thoughts to, to honor you, to celebrate you, but to recognize something about ourselves. Will you give us ears to hear, and eyes to see, and hearts to obey? And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, some duets are a bad idea, just a bad idea. Here's something to think about. God has been singing over creation from before time. There is something about music that's a thread through the Bible. It's uh, when God wants to rejoice over us, the, the psalmist says he rejoices over us with singing. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about God singing? We don't often do it, but, but there's this creative little picture of God singing. He rejoices over us in that way. God has been singing, pouring himself out over creation from the time he first thought the cosmos up. I love that thought. But there was a time when he came as Jesus, invested himself in Jesus Christ, the man from Nazareth. And it's like Jesus came, walked among us and said, I'm going to teach you to sing. This is how God sings. Watch me. I'm going to teach you how to sing. And he walked and he did and he behaved and, and he, as he conversed with people gently, yet he conversed with these people who thought they'd get it all right and he was a bit harsh with them and he was just showing God's voice. And he loved and he cared and he honored people. And he looked at the disadvantaged and he, raised, and he raised their profile. He took the people who were shunned and he brought them into the open. People who should never have seen the light of day and been touching other people were able to come up to him and touch him and be made whole. And it's God's song. It's the song that God had been singing over creation since the dawn of time. And Jesus came down and says... Let me show you how to sing. And we have it as precious words in four Gospels. The song of God. But this is the powerful thing. After Jesus had lived, he died, he'd risen again. He sent the Holy Spirit. And from then on, God wants to duet. It's like God is saying... Let's duet. I've, I've got the melody. 
you do the harmony. Have you ever thought about the Bible like that? God singing over the world, saying, this is how it should be. This is how it should be. This is the picture I see of the world. This is my song over creation. I've got the melody. Hey, church, not just this church, the church of Christ, join in with me. I've got, I've got the melody. Just, just harmonize with me. That's better than any Frank or Bono, that. That's better than Bing and Bowie. I love the idea that this message that we as Christians hold so dear is not about a God up in heaven calling all the shots with either the idea that he's God is like puppets on a string or that he's not really interested until we pray hard enough. That is not the picture that we have. We have this picture of God investing himself and saying, look, this is how I see things. And you are burdened with sin and guilt. You can't get out of this on your own. And then pe people find him. They, they find him through faith by his grace. And he doesn't say, oh, well done for finding me. I'll see you at the end of time. He doesn't say that. He says, hey, join in the song. Let, let's sing over this world. And Jesus has the melody. And we as church are called to join in and sing a harmony. I love that. It's like a divine duet. Some people might think, um, but I don't like singing. So that's the wrong analogy. You've, you've chosen the wrong analogy there, Russ. I just can't sing. And that's okay. If you don't like the singing analogy, change the word sing to worship or, or the word worship to serve or, or whatever you like it's, it's the same thing here is the point I don't have to sing the ha harmony I get to sing the harmony I get to sing harmony with God I don't have to it's not a chore it's an invitation here's the world says God I came to give myself for it. This is how I see it. You've got it topsy-turvy. You're celebrating the wrong things. I wanna, I'm bringing a culture that looks at things differently. Where justice and life and hope reign. Where those who are first will find themselves last and those who are last and spurned and shunned by society will find themselves first. And, and he sings over it. And he says, will you join in with me? And yet so many of us feel like we, we have to do it. We have to do it. But the invitation is this. Will you? And if you want to say yes, then we don't have to. We just get to do it. Isn't that great? I have to remind myself regularly when church get intense and busy and very emotional when you're dealing with people's stuff. I have to remind myself, I get to do this. I get to do this. He has said, will you join in with me? What a lovely concept. And I want us to be a church that get that idea, that we get to do this in our little patch of the world, because northern Lincolnshire. 
you know, it's vital, this, because knowing Jesus defines us. It does define us. Sometimes you'll hear, um, I was listening to the leader of a, of a, a huge uh, rock band in the, the States, and they're known as a Christian rock band, but the, the guy says, look, we're, we're really, we're musicians who happen to be Christians. And he was, he was trying to get that message out there that they're not a Christian band, they're just they're musicians who happen to be Christians. And I was listening to it, it just didn't settle right within me. You know, I'm... I mean, it's difficult for me to say because I'm employed here, right? But if you're a plumber and you love and follow Jesus with all your heart, you are not a plumber who happens to follow Jesus. Shall I say that again? If you are a plumber and you love Jesus and you follow him, you are not a plumber who just happens to follow Jesus. You are a plumber who is called to represent Jesus Christ through your plumbing. If you're a husband, you're not a husband who happens to be a Christian. You're a husband who gets to represent Jesus Christ in your family. If you're a son, if you're a mother, if you're a... Well, whatever it is, Jesus is not a sideshow in our life. He defines us. And getting to join in harmony with God as he sings over this planet is really important to us. You know, I've often uh, said over the years that we should, we should serve God with a smile, service with a smile. We should sing with a smile. And uh, it's easier said than done, isn't it? When you get down to the nitty-gritty of doing life, that gritty reality we talked about, and we're trying to find ways to worship God and, and serve Him and, and sing this harmony that we're trying to get to grips with, we should do it with a, a smile, not just on our face, because that's very difficult sometimes, but in our spirit. You know the attitude of a smile? Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people don't have a smile on their face, but you know that's a smiley person because there's something about them that they've got. But here's what I've noticed over the years. That some people don't serve God with a smile. They serve God with a frown. If you serve God with a frown, that gives them the... They do it because they must. They do it out of duty. Is that you? Have you met people like that? They serve God out of duty. I'm a Christian and therefore I just must do this. I've been there. I'm a Christian, I say I love Jesus, therefore there are things I do, things I get up to, ways I behave, and I just must do it this way, out of duty. They serve with a frown, they, they sing with a frown. Do you know, Jesus wants to help you escape from that. When you get to a place where you don't feel like you have to, but you get to. What's to release you into a place again where you can serve, you can sing, you can worship with a, with a smile. Too many people, they serve with a frown. And then you can serve with a sigh. 
know what serving with the sai is about. It's about tradition. Dina mentioned earlier how many people had been here for how many years. I've been here for um, 52 years. 52 years. I've got a lot of tradition in me. And sometimes we can serve God. We can sing with God. We can worship God just out of tradition. We do it because we've always done it. It's not duty. It's just a pattern. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands in this, but I guess in a crowd this size and those watching online, because some people haven't got the petrol to get here this morning. Have you noticed the numbers are down a bit? They're saving every bit of petrol, right? We can do things just because we've always done them. Isn't that what was talked about earlier? We serve him. We sing with him with a sigh. I've always got up this way on a Sunday morning. I've always got up at this time. I've always done this. I've always traipsed to church at this time. I've always got there. I had an argument with the hubby on the way. We've always got in and then all smiles. And we've got, we always sit on this row. There's always that same countdown on at church. They always start with that Jesus one. And then Sam's always doing a happy song to start with. And, then we, and, and we get in this role and, the, and then you get home. You think, oh, I bet it's time to say my prayer. I better do my prayer. And, and we do things just out of tradition. You ever find yourself praying for someone and you hear yourself saying the same bit of a prayer that you've said for 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, the same words trip off the tongue, right? Anyone been there? Come on, be honest. You know, the same things. Over and over, you say the same things. Now, all those things aren't bad, but what it tells us this is that there's a whole load of tradition in this. And we don't want to sing with God and serve God out of that. We serve with a smile. I believe Jesus wants to free us out of serving from tradition. Get rid of that serving with a sigh and come into serving with a smile. And then... We can serve him with a tear. This is a big one. You might think, that can't be me. But we can serve God with a tear. And that's all about guilt. You know, there are people who feel so guilty because of misspent years. Or because of a big sin they did back then. Because of some big decisions that made that were totally wrong and now in hindsight they know they were totally wrong and now they serve God to make amends. There are people here this morning like that. And you mean it with all your heart. You really want to serve God but you know there's this part of you and you're, just, you're making amends. For those years, for that event, for those big wrong decisions you made, you God, please, please accept, please accept my praise. Please accept my service. Please, please accept my song. And there's this baggage of guilt. And you serve out of it. And you serve well. In fact, let me say, the people who serve out of guilt, wow, they really serve. Really serve but with the wrong essence in their heart. And God wants you to help, help you escape from that. Where's the smile in your spirit? 
You don't have to serve me out of guilt. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. And then there are those who serve with a wink. (laughs) Serve with a wink. What's that all about? That's all about favor. This this world runs on favors. It, It runs on reciprocity. Do you know what I mean? How many people really wish you didn't have to buy that third cousin four times removed a Christmas card, but they send you one, right? They've sent you one every year. And immediately you receive their Christmas card from this person you've not seen in 15 years. And what happens straight away? You go, oh, I've got to send one back. I've got to send one back, right? There's this cycle of just reciprocating things. And, and you know, that's how, that's how exchanges happen before, between humans as well. So Sam lends me his power tool to do some heavy-duty maintenance. Right? He hasn't got one. Sam would not know what to do with a power tool, right? But in a few years, after he's been married, okay, for quite a few years, he'll have a whole selection of pristine power tools, okay? But let's just say, say he lends me a power tool and he gets me out of a fix because I've needed this power, power tool. Now, there is, an, there is a debt I've got to pay at some point, okay? And I feel it, and he knows I feel it. It might lay dormant for years, you know, until his circular saw breaks down, and I've got one. And who's he going to come to? He's going to come to me. And it will touch that part of me, that law of reciprocity, where I've just got to, I've got to give it back. You know, we can serve God with a wink. I'll, I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. And it works with God and it works with people. We can think that about God. God, I, I'll do this for you. But will you do this for me? In fact, there are lots of, lots of things being written at the moment about people who are really struggling with their faith. Really deconstructing their faith. So many people, people who've been around church, people who've been Christians for decades, and they're deconstructing their faith. They're they're trying to figure out whether whether it's all real or not. And when you dig deep enough into these stories, you you find something about this serving with a wink. I I know it sounds trite, but it's almost as if they were expecting more back from God. God, I gave you all this. I gave you three nights a week and all day Sunday. I, I brought my kids up this way. I gave away my money to the poor. And, and, and this happened in my life? This mess? This tragedy? And the law of reciprocation had broken down. And sometimes we can deal with each other, not just God, but we can deal with each other with, with a wink as well. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll volunteer for your team. But you owe me one. Do you know, we need to escape from that. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful singer. God loves a cheerful server. A cheerful worshiper. Someone who just says, do you know, 
I get, I get to do this with God. Yeah, it's tough. Yes, it's messy. Yes, you get bruised and you get scars along the way. But, but we get to do this. And one day we will see his smile up close. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You know, I've, I've been all of those four things. I've served God out of duty. Oh, have I served God out of duty? I could tell you some tales. Served God out of tradition. Yes, still struggle with that one. Served God out of guilt. Big time. Serve God really wanting something back. Yeah. For some people, that's, they can make that really spiritual. If I fast really hard for two days, then this will happen. May do, may not. It's God's prerogative. Jesus says to us, <clears throat> That we are the salt of the earth. See, this is the harmony, right? Jesus is the light of the world, and he's even willing to share that one. Jesus is the light of the world, and he says, and and you are the light of the world. But the one he bestows upon us, the title he bestows upon us, he says, you are the salt of the earth. That's harmony, that is. You know, there's lots of things we could look at about salt and what it means in the Bible, but, but one thing salt is, we're very clear, is it's of great value. Some Roman soldiers were paid in salt. You know how you preserve things at home now? In the freezer, right? Got this thing, it's precious food, whatever it is. Those vegetables. And in the old days, you had to eat them quickly. Then get fresh vegetables. What do we do now? We stick them in the freezer and they're preserved for as long as we want them, right? They used to use salt to preserve things, to preserve the goodness of stuff. It was really valuable. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, you are, uh, one thing he's saying is you are of incredible value. There, There are things that my father has put into this world And you need to preserve it because no one else is. There's a divine image in every human being, the breath of God in every human being. And most people on the planet don't realize it. But you, the salt of the earth, you preserve that. Something of great value. In fact, we still use that phrase nowadays, don't we? Some people do. Always a kind of salt of the earth fella. What do we mean by that? We even use the phrase, oh, he's worth his salt. She's worth her salt. See, it's about value. It's about preserving his mark on the world, about taking that melody and making it sit in this world. We are the salt of the earth. It's like Jesus says, it's almost like Jesus says, I've done it here. I've I've shown you here how to live. Now you do it everywhere. I've shown you here in Judea and Palestine. I've, I've shown you for 33 years 
what this song looks like, what this service looks like, what this worship of Father looks like. I've shown you what being salty looks like. That's the melody. Now, you do it everywhere. Chosen. You know, Jesus was only in one place at one time. How many of us are here this morning? 170, 180. We could be in 170, 180 places. The salt of the earth. Taking the melody, singing harmony with it and saying, Hey world, this is how Jesus sees you. We, uh, we studied a little passage of scripture for a whole month uh, almost. I think it was in, in August time. Love Thy Neighborhood. We did a series that Dan helps us with every year. And uh, Jesus told the story of... Well, Jesus got asked a question about two things. About love and about who is our neighbor. Love. Love. There's a good northern <laughs> love. Okay? With a U and a double V. And... Who is our neighbor? And Jesus told a story to try and explain what love and being a good neighbor meant. And he, he told the story, and we all know it, of the good Samaritan. Someone was walking along a road, and they got mugged and beaten and left for dead, helpless at the side of a road. And it was a road that was known for that kind of stuff happening. It was, it was a road where bandits, they roamed free. And then Jesus told the story of two people who should have known better and they didn't help. They didn't help the man at all. They glanced, they noticed him and they moved on for internal reasons. And if you want to know more, you can listen back at that series. But then he said there was a Samaritan who came by and noticed the man and did something about it. That's kind of salt of the earth fella he was, Right? There's someone in need. And Jesus told that story and, and it involved individuals in it. And Jesus said at the end of this story, he says this. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the listener replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes. Now, go do the same. Go do it. The story that I've told you about this individual, you few now who are listening to me, you go and do the same. You know, when I hear that story, and every time I hear it, and whenever we do this series, I, I think, but now, now there's millions of us. Now there's millions of, of people following Jesus. This is not, not these, just this gaggle of people on a hillside listening to him. There's not just his, his followers, his few dozen followers who are hanging on his everybody. There are hundreds of millions of people who follow Jesus all around the world. And I think part of the song now is saying, Jesus, yes, we will do it. But also together, we can make the road a safer place too. That great? Yes, yes, Jesus. We'll help people who get who get mugged. We'll help people who get hurt. But there's there's enough of us now. We can help make the road a safer place. And I think that's that's part of the harmony. 
when Jesus says, you've seen what I do, but greater things than these will you do. What, greater things than walk on water? Greater things than go up a mount of transfiguration and your body becomes transparent and, and beams of white light. Greater than, that's not what Jesus is meaning. You will do greater things than I've done because there's more than one of you. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who follow Jesus, singing harmony with him, being the salt of the earth, singing over creation, singing over the world, singing over lost souls, singing over crushed personalities, singing over the disadvantaged, singing over people who've been ostracized by society, singing over people who sit there silently and everything looks like it's all right, but deep inside it's not all right. And we sing the song of Jesus over them with our very lives and our behaviors and our being and things change. And we get to do this. This is not being in Bowie. This is Jesus and his church. So, Jesus said right at the beginning of that passage where I read John chapter 5, he said this, after he'd healed the man on the Sabbath and he'd got into trouble. Jesus said this, my father is always working and so am I. And we can say, our father is always working and so are we. He is still singing, folks. God is still singing. And it's the best duet ever. Come and join in with me. Don't just take my grace and then think I've turned my back. Don't just take my, my grace and sit there and be a nominal Christian. Don't, don't just have me as a, I'm just a bit part in your life. You're a preacher who happens to be a Christian. You're a plumber who happens. Don't do that. Sing with me. Sing with me where you live, where you work, where you do your hobbies, what you put your mind and your attention to. Join in in this duet with me. Now there's an essence of new life that I want us to capture. We get to do this. Do we have the scars from getting to do this? Yes, we do. But we don't have to. It's an invitation. We're told in Revelation that Jesus stood at the door of a church and knocked. There's an invitation with a knock. See, there's a choice. The person on the other side of the door, they can either peep through the curtains and not open the door. It's Jesus knocking. Okay. Whoever opens the door, church, he's talking to a church talking to a church if that church opens the door and I will come in we'll have supper together we'll do this together close your eyes bow your heads
we get to do this, folks. New life, we get to do this. I love it when our new homeless services manager, Tim Monaghan, we were chatting to him the other day and he was on the, the interview platform in the green room with friends and partners. And he said, you know, one of the great things is that he gets opportunity now to break the cycle of homelessness in our neighborhood. You know, if he succeeds in doing that, he's just put himself out of a job, right? What he was really saying is this. I want to make the road a safer place. Because that's how the song goes. That's just how the song goes. You know, God is so, so wanting his creation to join in with him. That he even says, I, I, if you won't do it, I will make the stones cry out and sing a duet with me. If you don't want to join in, I'll, I'll get the stones to do it. The poetic writers of the Bible, they say, do you know, the stars honor and worship God. The stars in the sky. They sing before Him. I'd rather be first choice over rocks and stars. If the rocks honor God with the right attitude, if the stars worship God with the right attitude, a hundred billion of them in our galaxy, then so will I. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.